Good morning. Rich Nass with Open Systems Media here for this week's Embedded Insiders with Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. Hi. How are you doing, Rich? I am doing just fine. Yourself? I'm doing pretty well right now. I'm in San Jose, which is a nice breather from 115 in Phoenix. So that's <laughs> very good, very good. What are you doing in San Jose? Um, I came up here to help run our uh, Industrial IoT University uh, conference, which is associated with Sensors Expo. And this is the second one we've done, and this one went really, really well. So did the first one, but uh, it had a lot of interest uh, this time around. What does really, really well mean? What, what made it really, really good? Um, uh, there were a lot of attendees that showed up. Uh, there were some engaging questions uh, after each of the tracks. We had one security track and one networking track. Uh, and the content What's some of the talks within those tracks? Uh, a couple of the talks, uh, particularly in the networking side, uh, had to do with connectivity. So I think that we're getting to the point where people are, you know, we're beyond the uh, how does IoT uh, look from an architectural perspective, and now people are really looking at technologies that will help them implement them. And two of the technologies uh, that were addressed were uh, LoRa, uh, LoRa WAN on one side, um, and then uh, LTE on the other. Uh, both of them are going to address industrial IoT use cases that are more, uh, I guess you'd say, wide area or long-range remote type of deployments, um, but mm -hmm. in di very different ways. On one hand, LoRa WAN, if you're not familiar, is a really low data rate, really low power um, networking technology, LP-WAN. Um, and that's going to be used for not probably what we would call mission-critical applications, you know, things where you just have a weather station or some dumb sensor sitting out in the field that needs to blip up a couple hundred, hundred kilobytes of information, maybe at the most, probably a lot, in a lot of cases less than 100 kilobytes of information, just to say things like, I'm on, or you know, the status of this door has changed from open to close or whatever. Um, on the other hand, LTE is going to be used for more uh, higher quality of service, to use networking jargon. Um, you know, areas where you have something that needs to uh, get through to some back end um, on a consistent basis. Uh, so, you know, everybody's pretty familiar with LTE. I think we know the benefits and use cases there. The only difference is now LTE is starting to come out with uh, less expensive derivatives like CAT M0 and narrowband IoTs that would kind of compete with uh, LP WAN technologies on the low end. Okay, that sounds pretty interesting, um, and it is good to have some some competition out there. Um, were the other low power WANs represented as well, or was it just Laura? Uh, Laura was the only one that showed up uh, for the uh, for the conference this week. Um, there was a little bit of discussion about um, whether uh, Laura would be able to compete with Sigfox. That came out of some of the questions. Um, you know, don't want to speak for Sigfox here. Both uh, Laura and Sigfox are kind of dependent on this point in getting networks rolled out. Uh, there aren't right. very many. Uh, there's not a whole lot of infrastructure at this point, which is a, a drawback. But they're really simple technologies, and they're really, really cheap compared to LTE. Um, even walking the Sensors Expo show floor yesterday, uh, this is an interesting aside. But there's a ton of companies there who are either interested, who are either uh, selling uh, connectivity solutions or 
IoT platform solutions or processing solutions, which is interesting to find all those guys converging on Sensors Expo. Um, they obviously see the value there. Uh, but some of the connectivity solutions for LoRa, Sigfox, and other sub-gigahertz uh, technologies are coming in at around 5 bucks a module, um, and that can vary by volume, but uh, starting to be compelling. Um, when, you, when you're talking about module prices that are that low, LTE, just the, the complexity of the technology won't allow it to, to get into that, those low, low price points. Um, so maybe that will help speed up adoption. I'm surprised you're surprised that those people are at Sensors Expo because I think of those things as sensors. I mean, they have some, some smarts in them and, you know, to be able to do some processing or, you know, very limited processing. But at the end of the day, they are sensors. They're sensing whether something is full or empty or, you know, on or off, and, and they just send back a bit. Uh, well, on one side, I'm not surprised that any of those companies are there at all. Uh, I'm surprised at how many companies were there that were proffering, you know, a connectivity solution and that's it, or an IoT platform solution mm. and that's it that would integrate with your traditional accelerometer or you know gyroscope or whatever. Because when I, you know, when you think of when you think of Sensors Expo, you typically think of you know a bunch of you know, sensors that you would put in the control system to monitor a pump or a valve. Uh, but at this point, it's evolving into the other technologies that you would use to really put together an IoT solution, of which a sensor is just one part. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty cool how it's migrated to that level. And there's such consolidation within the electronics that a sensor, you know, has a microprocessor in it now. Definitely. And you see that, you, I saw that in a couple different instances. Um, on one hand, you know, microchip and ST are both there, and their portfolios allow, you know, for basically almost complete solutions um, if you pull everything together from the various arms that they have. Uh, Microsemi was there too, um, and they have an automotive-grade sensor uh, which is pretty much a magnetic sensor that you would use in some engine control uh, applications. But there again, there's an integrated uh, microcontroller on the same die. So getting really um, more complete solutions, I guess you'd say. Was Semtech there? Semtech spoke at, uh, at Industrial IoT University. They actually were the representative speaking on behalf of uh, Laura. Um, and that was ah, a really engaging session. Very interesting, very interesting, because I know they're the, the real driving force behind Laura, and it would sort of not be a party without them. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then on the security side, uh, Guy Fedorko of um, the Trusted Computing Group and Juniper Networks came in and kind of laid down the law on trusted platform modules and how those can be used, you know, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, creating a true random number generator um, and how important that is to really securing um, a system so that you know, it can't be hacked. Um, and that sparked a whole lot of conversation. There were a couple of really general questions that came from the audience at Industrial IoT University that were somewhat frustrated. You know, how do we just secure this thing? Why does it take so long? And one of the responses that I gave was, it's hard because I feel like people are looking for standards right now and in some cases maybe regulation, but technology inherently moves quickly. Uh, standards and regulation do the opposite. Uh, they're, they're slow moving. So 
it's probably good to use uh, the standards that are in place and we know that work well now, but there's not going to be any one thing that's an overarching, hey, this is a security uh, implementation that you can roll out across medical, industrial, automotive, you know, smart home uh, deployments because you know, there's so many different variables that come into play, the types of processing platforms there, the types of connectivity there. So um, that's, uh, that was interesting. And one of the upshots that came uh, from Guy, myself, uh, Scott Morrison of Mentor Graphics, and uh, Scott Slamba of Wind River was, let's get back to basics and start doing some fundamental uh, testing and code review because really that's the first place you need to start. And there are tools out there up the wazoo that can help you make sure that your code is uh, not vulnerable and you don't have loopholes in it. And those are probably the things that are going to create more of a vulnerability in a connected system than somebody trying to brute force hack a IP camera or something like that. Very good. All right, we're just about out of time. But before we sign off, ask me what I did this week. What did you do this week, Rich? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I presented an award to Embedded Computing Design's 2017 Most Innovative Person, who happened to be Kristen Russell of Arrow Electronics. Uh, pretty impressive lady. She's the former CIO for the state of Colorado, and now she, she's the president of the um, Intelligent Systems Group, I think it's called, at Arrow. And um, we actually shot a video that we'll be uploading hopefully later today where you can really see what she's all about and why she's worthy of this award. It was a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, when I, I remember when we got in all the submissions for the uh, Most Innovative People this year, I saw her uh, submission come through, and it was kind of a, one of those jaw-dropping things that makes you feel like you haven't done much with your life. So <laughs> um, I'll be looking forward to seeing that. I'm not touching that. I'm just going to say, okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, that was this week's Embedded Insiders. I'm Rich Nass. And that was Brandon Lewis, and we, all, we both hope you have a great week. Take care, Brandon. You do it.